0: Welcome to episode one of the Artist in Me is Dead podcast. I'm your host, Rhonda Willers. This episode features a conversation with Lisa Vang. Lisa is one of the inspirations for this podcast. Several years ago, she entered a room and said, the artist in me is dead. She vulnerably and humorously proclaimed this creative death. Lisa is someone who walks directly into hard conversations and speaks with honesty about her struggles with her creative practice. She was a former undergraduate student of mine, and I can tell you that the artworks she creates and the conversations she engages in have a way of staying with you long after they occur. Lisa currently works full-time for the state of Minnesota, and as you'll hear, her creative practice has shifted in the years since she graduated with her art degree. Please enjoy this episode with Lisa Bang. Well, Lisa. Thank you for coming and talking with me.
1: Oh, hi, Rhonda. I'm so <laughs> glad
2: to be you
0: <laughs> We're guaranteed to laugh a bunch during our conversation. I'm certain of that yeah, today yeah. as we go. One of the things I wanted to start with is to help people get to know who you are. Just if you could share a bit about your background, where you grew up, where you're currently living,
1: all right, so I feel like this reminds me a lot of like my early like online dating experiences, where it's like this is what I do, this is who I am, and look like me. Okay, so I'm Lisa. Um, I grew up in the ghetto. I would say I grew up in the ghettos of California, and i lived most of my life in the suburbish area of Minnesota. Right now, I currently reside in Minneapolis. I work for the man, the state, and I have a partner that I live with and we have a dog.
2: What's your dog's name
1: again? It's so sweet online. His name is, his name is Luca. He's my child. He's just my everything. Like I got him to be like my emotional support animal Mm because I was like, I need a reason to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't enough anymore. And like, I didn't think he was going to be this small. I actually wanted a pit bull, but because he, I adopted him and like so he didn't know his breed and I saw him, like he had like the general features of like a pit bull. And then when I tested his DNA, he was like all the small, annoying dogs, like <laughs> Shih Tzu, Chihuahua. Like, I was like, okay, whatever. It's whatever. I still love him the same. So, so. of
0: course you got that dog. Like that just feels Right, like- right, right.
1: <laughs> I wanted, I wanted a big dog. To like protect me and to love and he was all the small dogs but you know what he's perfect he's airplane compatible he I cook for him so he like it doesn't cost as much money as I would be for cooking like a bigger dog so
0: you know as your childhood and things were you did you like experience Explore life from a creative approach, do you think, from a young age? Or is that something you grew into
1: over time? I was not very, I wouldn't say I wasn't creative, but I wasn't into, like, the quote-unquote art scene. Like, I didn't grow up, like, taking, like, a lot. I mean, I took some art classes because we had to, like, growing up through grade school. But it wasn't, like, something that I wanted to pursue or, like, be active in i i did a lot of creative writing like poetry at one point i wanted to be a poet and then (laughs) like at one point i was in a band in my emo like teenage days i did some songwriting i do yeah i do play guitar and stuff and sing but other than that oh i did see i want i i just want to do everything i like as a child i was like oh i want to be an actress oh i want to be a singer I wanted to do all these things, but I realized it was because I wanted to live a different life than the one that I had. Like, because when you see those things like on like social media or like this, whatever, it's like, oh, they have this like fun, cool life. And like as a kid, I don't know any better. I was like, I want that versus like the sad life that I had or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I would say I was creative, but I wasn't like necessarily in the traditional material, like painter, sculptor, whatever. Mm-hmm. um art-based person until I went to college and um I fell in love with art and then I was like I'm gonna choose this as my major and yes I like I said I work for the man and I don't even do anything with art but I have no regrets. I always say that my parents would say I, I majored in disappoint disappointing them like because I got I got my BFA in ceramics. I have no regrets but yeah, it's, it is what it is. I have no regrets. I had the best time of my life in college and learning. And Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah, when you, I want to go back just a little bit. So when you were having all these sort of ideas about other, like in a way, like other lives you wanted to live than the one that you knew, did you feel like they were possible or did they feel like they were not possible to you?
1: I think it's, it's like it's like playing the lottery or gambling like you're like you're like you know I have zero chances of doing it but I'm still gonna maybe try like I remember one time when I was like I had actually dropped out of college when I was like 21 and I actually drove to Chicago to go audition for The Voice me and my sister we really drove there and like the the process takes so long like obviously i wasn't on there but like you go and like you tell your little spiel and then you sing one song and then if they like you they make you sing another song which i actually got to sing two songs out of the whole room (laughs) but i choked because i have i have stage fright, Mm. um and so it's whatever but i think that was the first time i actually like went for something like a dream. And I like took initiative. And then I think from there is when I just started, like, maybe you call it being reckless, maybe not, but I started being like, I'm going to do it anyway. Cause whatever, you know, why not?
0: Maybe instead of calling it reckless though, it's more like it opened up the reality that if you take those steps or those actions, it gets you somewhere or like it brings you an opportunity. Like even that you got to sing two songs, like you made it through the first step in that room and you got the second. Did that feel like, instead of saying Reckless too, like, did that feel empowering
1: then, do you think? See, I can't tell because my sister, who is also a much better singer than me, was in that same room. And I was like, what, what? But I think it's because they liked like my, She's she was kind of like more shy in a way. Mm-hmm. And like they liked my energy or whatever it was. Yeah. So like you know how how it is on TV where they're like, I want to pick the weird ones. I want to pick the weird ones that are gonna be like you're gonna, get, that will get more gonna, views.
0: Yeah, you're gonna bring more, but it's
1: talent
0: talent in air quotes is so much more than just the skill set that you have. I think that would be really oh, fun yeah. to dig into you with, with you too, about art. Like it's not just about your quote unquote talent skill, like what can you do, but it's about all the other parts that you bring with you. And you're right. Like your story, the way you tell your story is so engaging and real. And that's part, I mean, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast too, is because I knew like you quote, you like do that thing of like, sounds a little cliche, but bring, bring your whole self, or at least we feel like it's your yeah, whole yeah. self. You're coming here. You're, you're not shying away from parts of the story that some people don't, you know, usually want to share. So I think that's part yeah. of your
1: value too. Well, maybe I'm just like real unprofessional though. Like I keep it <laughs> too real even. Okay. So even at like my job, so I got, I just got like, not even just, I got promoted, but like when I first, I'm applied to that state job. I literally swore in that job. They're like, they were like, okay, you graduated with a BFA in ceramics. Like, why do you want to work here? And I literally said to my, she was like, my boss's boss, but she was like the interviewer. I literally said to them, you don't shit where you eat. I literally said that because I'm like, you know, I love, I love making art, but Mm -hmm. if I do that as like a job, it's, I need to have different compartments people are complex they need to have different things and i'd end up hating it um at least for me and so i was like you know i need something else to stimulate my mind in a different aspect Mm -hmm. and i got the job so i keep it too real but
0: i don't know though
1: i mean i think that you what you told
0: them in that moment though is sort of like a boundary with your own self like You knew that if you put the pressure on your creativity to be your job, that would maybe take away from what you would allow yourself to do creatively, or it would like hinder that because there, when you, we were kind of getting a little ahead, but like when you, when your art, let's say is your job, there can be a lot of pressure put on that part of your life then in a way that is responsibility pressure. And then that can Mm -hmm. change the kind of work that you make. It's interesting to like think about that as part of your life path though, too. You were a Mm -hmm. former student of mine um, from the University of Wisconsin River Falls. And Mm -hmm. um we met. I well, I'm trying to remember. I know I had you in 2D design like foundations. I was that that our first time.
1: (laughs) Yep. And then I was like, I want I that was my first like art thing. And I was like, whoa, there's like Like I was so inspired by you. And I was like, oh man. And you're like, oh, I teach ceramics. And I was like, oh, I really want to get into it. And then you're like, I got the hookup. And then (laughs) next semester I got it. And then I fell in love with art.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't wait. You were one of those students where like, I couldn't wait to see what you would create with each assignment that you were given. And then, you know, I still feel that way about you. Like I'm always interested in what you're creating and what you're thinking about. And on a multi-level reason for thinking that about you. So how did you, let's go real back real quick. So River Falls is in proximity to where you were living with your family at present. Mm -hmm. So is that part of why you chose that university or were there other reasons that
1: kind of brought you there? So I used to sneak, I used to skip high school. My sister went there. I used to skip high school and go to River Falls with her and so instead of being in class I would just be chilling at the UC and um, so people like even the workers there they knew me and they thought that I was like gonna graduate but I was like actually I'm for, I'm attending here for the first time now like <laughs> it so like I, I skipped a lot of school whatever I, academics is not my forte but mm-hmm. I still am a huge believer in educating yourself but like for me education is not just like going to school it's like learning about different lifestyles, different things, like, I don't know, that's just how I feel, but mm-hmm. yes, I chose that school, because I was already familiar with it, because I skipped school to go there, <laughs> and, you know, I felt comfortable there, I guess, so. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, I think that that's, there's so many reasons why we choose the schools we choose, I mean, I went to school at River Falls as an undergrad, and I went because my parents basically were like, we need you to go to school for at least one year because I was kind of in you know, a weird anti-school spell. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, fine, I'll go to the like closest school and just do my one year and then I'll be
1: done. <laughs> but then like I wasn't done. I'm trying to imagine what little youth Rondo was like. <laughs> like, I'm sure you're wild. I'm sure you're
2: I know.
0: I was sassy, let's say that. I was definitely sassy. Yeah, never afraid yeah, of being I mean, sassy.
1: Yeah, I can see that well, because you were always like I always call you your leather hard. Like you're <laughs> and that's how I would describe you, because like, you are firm, but you are like workable. Mm-hmm. And that's always a turn that you will be to me. is like mm. like you can, yeah, you are firm but workable. That's that's what it is. I
0: wonder if we need to think that way about our creativity too, like our creativity should always be firm in the sense that we, we dedicate a portion of our like self and our intent to it, but it's workable in the sense that how we get to it changes throughout our lives, right? Like it changes like, and that's some of what I want to talk about with you today too, is, you know, how. Because one time, well, the whole podcast is like inspired by something you walked into the room and said, were you coming back as a visiting, like you were just coming back to campus and you walked in the room and you were like, the artist in me is dead. Do you remember
1: this? I don't know. I say it all the time, so I can't quite (laughs) remember, but.
0: (laughs) I feel like it was either you came back to River Falls after you had graduated and came into the studio class and we were having a chat with you. Or the other time I maybe recall it was when you helped me out with an InSika thing with the multicultural fellows. You were um, kind of mm, like a local liaison. Probably, that's, yeah,
1: that's probably that. That was probably it.
0: I think that was maybe when you shared it with them, and that was so such a great like icebreaker neutralizer of that room, and then instantly again made you approachable, understandable, and or relatable. And people, you know, knew like, hey, this is a person that when I see them, I'm going to be able to talk with them throughout that conference in particular. But like, could you talk about that feeling and that experience that you have frequently just about like when you feel like your artist is dead inside?
1: Yeah, I mean, I currently feel that now. Um, The reason why I was drawn to art was, was because it was the, like I said, I used to like write poetry and songs and stuff, but like once I got to school, like college, I didn't have time for that. And there was like, you know, studying and whatnot. And yeah, so I definitely hit my lowest of lows right after graduation. I knew I didn't, I knew that I wasn't going to get like a job on like, the art field or whatever, but I still went for it anyway. But I lost that sense of community. And that is like, the main thing that really helps you continue on is that like, you know, I was in the studio every day, like seven days a week until like, we had to get kicked out, you know, and I'd want to be there. It's not just like, oh, I have projects that have to be done. No, like, those people that are also in the studio, they were, like, there was a camaraderie, camaraderie there. Like, you know, they were all the, the same struggle, the same determination. And you, like, for me, you could really tell who was dedicated by seeing who was in the studio. And once that, I was removed from that um, community, it was really hard to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard to just get the motivation to continue to work on. And, you know, some people may still have it and props to them, but for me, I did not. And, Mm -hmm. but but then again, I, like I said, I wasn't an art, an artist person. I just utilized it as a way of expressing like things that I couldn't say through words. Mm -hmm. And once I was removed out of that community, that's when I started to feel like the artist in me was dead because I wasn't making anymore. I wasn't being uh, proactive in trying to express these thoughts or feelings through a tangible um, object or whatnot and it was just like devastating because that became a huge part of my life and like I don't know like I right now I feel empty without it yeah and I'm in the stages where I'll like maybe draw or paint like once a year. I mean, I graduated in 2007 and it's 2021 and I haven't really done anything that I felt was noteworthy. I guess that's the term. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I'm preparing myself. I did, I mean, two years ago I did, I was taking pictures of a lot of dead birds Mm -hmm. um, because I work in like downtown St. Paul and there's like a lot of dead birds. There's like falcons or something like that that are like preserved by the DNR and you can't like do anything to them but they live like in downtown like they're nested downtown so they rip up like all these birds so there's (laughs) all these carcasses and I'm like yes so like I've seen like just heads of birds or like fetuses of birds and I take their pictures and because people might think it's weird but I love anatomy and I just wanted to, I, I painted, I'll show you guys. Yeah, show I me. Painted, I painted the head <gasps> because um, oh I wanted to immortalize this bird, this dead bird that, like, I wanted to give it a life again. And that's where I said, like, I wanted to resurrect that bird and give it immortality, even though it's been gone. And you could do that through art. You can,
0: like, that- That piece you just shared has so much like grace and integrity and you can tell that you're honoring it. Like, even though it's a a dismembered head, it like has that presence in that piece, the way that you painted it with care. Like there's care involved in
1: the touch of your material. Oh, yeah. Like, I I mean, it's like, I mean, I haven't done any like painting and stuff in a long time, but like, I just... I wanted to honor that bird and like I still feel that way about roadkill and because it's like those things you just see it and you're like oh dead animal on the road whatever but like they still deserve to have their moment and I don't know so that's what I was doing people thought I was a freak I was crouching even though I'm like a a public servant for the state I was like crouching and taking pictures of these dead animals because I'm trying to give them a second life Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like for myself. is like I wanted to give myself a second life through art mm-hmm. But I'm slowly building my way back into the art world. Like I need that again. It's mm-hmm. always gonna be a part of me. And like, I don't I have a like a little spark of motivation, but it's not necessarily fully there yet. Like mm-hmm. like Black Friday, I bought some like foam. Uh-huh. Cause I'm like, I finally brought all my, my art materials from my parents' house to my house. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready and build my studio. And I bought foam cause I'm gonna, oh, I bought like a, a banding wheel. Cause I want to, I just want to start making it yeah. again. So you're making I'm the space. yeah,
0: you're like yes, making the I- space to encourage your creativity again
1: yes even though i don't necessarily have like that everyday community that i see people again yeah. but i'm slowly preparing for that because i need it yeah. i need it i i need something
2: yeah
0: well and when you're talking about the community too do you think that because a lot of i think you know from teaching a lot of students express that too like that once you're away from say a traditional academic setting that not having that immediate community is a really hard part of the transition. And in a way that community helped motivate your own work, maybe work ethic or studio ethic, whatever we wanna call that. Do you think that part of the transition is also about learning to sort of like be your own community? You know, like it's still important to have external community but do you think that some of the transition is learning how to, yeah, kind of be your own community in your own space, if you will, as part of the motivation, like getting yourself going again?
1: I mean, I do think it's that, but I also think it's resources. Like mm-hmm. if you're in an academic setting, you have access to kilns, glaze, clay galore. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not using it, you're an idiot. (laughs) that i'm just gonna throw that out there like if you're not utilizing studio time when it's all paid for you're making some poor choices because as as you graduate you you gotta pay for all that stuff on your own yeah on top of like i miss school oh man i miss school because like you didn't have to worry about heavy bills you didn't have to worry about like buying all these materials and fortunately i still have all my stuff from school Mm -hmm. and I still have a bunch of clay,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I'm going to use that, but yeah, it's just like, it's the community and then it's the resources. And I have been looking at like places to fire stuff too. And yeah. I just, I need to start somewhere again. You know, yeah. you're basically starting from scratch.
0: Can you talk a little know. bit about what stops you from making
1: I mean, there's a lot of things. There's excuses. I'm gonna throw oh, out. Yeah. that that's, that's tell the real, us this. That's 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 the real thing. It's excuses. I make excuses just like those fresh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell the kids. tell
0: the freshman story. This is so good. Okay. okay. Tell this story.
1: So I in my senior year in college, um, I was doing a demonstration with my professor, Ms. Wenlin. And it was her art one hundred class, and we were doing some like just some basic, like hand building demonstrations. And there was a bunch of like these utes, and they're like, Oh, I don't know what to make. And I was like, Straight up, I was like, I know what you're making. Excuses. <laughs> like, I said that to these poor little freshman kids. And like, I don't know. You just have to have like that you know, that's what it is. Honestly, it's excuses. Cause I'm like, you know, I might be too tired. I might be too sad. I might just not have time or the resources, but if you really want something, you're going to do it. You're going to go for it. And there are different things that will hold you back from it. Like I have a lot of depression and like, it really stops me from doing like the basic things. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's like working through that and then taking something like the reason why I liked art was because I like to take something negative and turn it into something positive
2: positive. Mm-hmm.
1: and um instead of like taking something negative and do something negative with it I have to do something, and do something positive with it yeah. um so I yeah that's really it like I have I have the materials I have everyone's got time even though we're busy you know mm-hmm you can take at least like five minutes, 10 minutes, make a pinch pot, whatever it is. You have the time. You just have to have the motivation. And I just don't have any of that right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna dedicate time to that because I don't feel complete without being that person that I used to be. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like those high school like uh football players that were in their prime and they're like I'm gonna wear my litterman jacket and all that stuff and I was yeah I was quarterback but no like it's just that was the prime of my life but yeah. you know what I'm still alive and it's gonna there's no just this, I guess it's not a prime it, it is still it's, uh,
0: yeah it's like it was a tra- maybe it was a moment of transformation, a moment of real power. I kind of call those like power moments. Like when you're really doing something that is of purpose and value to yourself and like fills you up, like those are when you feel your own power, like you feel your own strength mm-hmm. in that time. So like those are available to us anytime, right? Like we can have yes. moments of power throughout our lives. And so you're going to have that again. And like, You're probably moving into one right now. And, you know, listening to you, I loved you when you were talking about taking your photographs of the dead birds, because it Mm -hmm. reminded me of when you're in a lull of your creativity and it's hard to go to the thing maybe that you quote unquote were known for or knew yourself for. So let's just like, Mm -hmm. be specific. Like you, if you knew yourself for being this great ceramic artist, for when you were in college. And so then if you're trying to get back into your creativity and you feel like if I can't get to that major art that I used to do, then I'm really not an artist anymore. But if you leave space and let yourself just start to observe things slowly, start to do a little bit like these photographs and then that painting, like you're bringing yourself short steps into your creative space again. And like, Mm -hmm. that's really maybe one of the great things that we could teach ourselves is like, what are our little small steps that we like bring ourselves back into our creative space, your songwriting or poetry too. Like, do you hear, like, do words come to you in your thinking that kind of like, I always describe things as rolling around in my head. I just let ideas roll around for a while. So, but sometimes, like, words or phrases kind of come through that time that seem significant and like want to write them down. Like, do you have that coming back with your poetry or songwriting at all during this time as you're starting to do more with your other part of your creative
1: practice? Um, unfortunately, no. I'm sure the audience <laughs> wants to be like, yeah, cool. But no, it's not real life. Okay. Yeah. It, it's just not there um mm-hmm. because of most of my stuff is most of my like making is through food right yeah now. oh yeah let's talk um, about that yeah and so I don't have like there aren't things that I was like oh this, I can apply this yet yet because I'm going to start making things with like clay again
2: mm-hmm. but
1: as of now it just I don't know. I guess the artist in me is dead inside. But I'm trying to resurrect this bitch. I'm trying to resurrect (laughs) her. She deserves to be alive and and thrive. I'm 30. I'm turning 31 next week. But I'm 30. I'm not flirty. But I'm trying to thrive. (laughs) And, like, I just...
0: I don't know. What know. What is that artist though? Like, I feel like when you say, when you're describe when you're saying like that artist in me isn't alive yet. Like, it sounds like you're saying artist with a capital A, a really big, important. What is, what is that person, which is yourself, but what do they look like that you're not
1: right now? Can you describe that? Ooh, you made me self-reflect right now because <laughs> I always, I'm relating it. When you said that, I was like, you know, think about that dang social media Mm -hmm. About like you know people are posting stuff on there and they're like oh here's my here's my pots here's my whatever Mm -hmm. and I don't know for me I just haven't been able to find a medium to express myself again Mm -hmm. to talk about narratives that are not narratives that you just can't necessarily say with words but you just feel or you see it and Like I'm a, I'm a storyteller, you know, that's like, I think about like my culture and like, you know, they our our written language was taken away from us. And so we had to tell,
0: can you really quick share, share with people your background and your culture? Because we didn't talk about that at all. And I think that's a really key component to a lot of
1: things that you've shared with me in the past too. Yeah. So I am Hmong and I am Chinese. I don't know what part, like when you think of Chinese, you think like, oh, like Mandarin or are you Cantonese? I'm not any of those. There are different little branches of like people that live in like Southern China that I am. And I don't even know what that is. I never got to experience that because my grandpa, he died before I was born. And then my other grandpa, he was adopted because his parents died from yellow fever and he was full Chinese. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even speak Hmong. So he always had like a different dialect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I never got to learn about that part of me. And then the Hmong part of me, I grew up in the suburbs. So I was always like too Asian and, or too white. So I was like, you know what? I can't handle this pressure. I, I'm not going to fit in anywhere. So I just like didn't bother any, like with any like culture. And like, it's just, I don't know. I think that I really want to work towards that mm-hmm. uh, with my new work that I want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like that self-discovery again of like, I mean, that was a perfect time. Now was a perfect time mm-hmm. to be ethnic, I guess. <laughs> I, hate, I hate the term ethnic. I hate the term oriental.
0: Tell me why it's cringy I mean, for you. Let's call it cringy. Like, why is it like, do not like this word? It
1: just... I don't even know cringy is the perfect way to describe it I just don't know like people that grew up in that time frame when that that word was used Mm -hmm. they might be like yeah I'm from the orient but then like people in my generation or whatever people it just feels wrong it's the equivalent of like a sexist term uh, for but for like culture
0: So with that, okay, so let's go back to your connection. So one of the things you mentioned is you're thinking about like how this is a, a, when you said like, this is a good time to be like, this is where we got off on the tangent, like this is a good time to be ethnic or do you mean that it, do you mean like in the sense that it's more open and welcoming for you to dive into your back, your cultural background in a way that it hasn't been celebrated before?
1: yeah because you know people my age or older they have to go through the same struggles that I did like some people don't even speak their native tongue right and you would get a lot of shit for that from your like older relatives like yo you don't even know to speak this language you don't know anything about your your background or whatever and like but right now you know a lot of youths they're more modernized um I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing honestly mm-hmm. but like they are in that same boat and they're like if you think about anything in social media it's all geared towards the youth yeah they like take the tick the TikToks and like the, the whatever like yeah yes the TikToks, just like the google like it just everybody is like anywhere from 16 to like 25. That's like the main thing in mainstream mm-hmm. is like they gear views and they gear whatever towards that. And most of those kids don't speak their native language. Most of them maybe don't even know where they came from. And like, it's okay. They're, they're like certain, to like normalize this stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, great. Cause I struggled growing up and it was hard for me and it's still hard for me, but right now I'm trying to go back and trying to figure out like who I am. Cause like, that's still a part of me. Like, you yeah. know, I, I just want to feel that sense. Cause I, maybe it's me trying to prove like, oh, you know, I'm Asian enough, whatever. Enough. Yeah. But, but maybe yeah.
0: it's also just you wanting to know yourself in a different way, in a way that like, wasn't. Like if it wasn't, if it feels like it's welcomed now, then that also tells us that it wasn't welcomed at some other time to really know that part of yourself and your family yeah. and your background. And now, you know, you, you can maybe with safety, if I don't know if that's the right word, but like maybe it yeah, yeah. Made... It's,
1: it's more easy. The Hmong people, they've only been here since like the late seventies, yeah. You know? So we're still a fairly new type of people i mean some people don't even know who Mong people are um okay now olympics yes yes right <laughs> not because of olympics yes but like we wore that you know other than like bad stuff happening in the news like nobody knew who Mong people were we yeah don't, we don't even have a country or a land you know like right. we just we're migrants and it's just like because we're so new i still feel like I need to find some kind of connection to them to withhold my own, I don't know if it's culture or identity. I don't know. I don't know what the words are. I don't, I'm not good with words, but. You are good with, my, no, you're good with words.
0: I think, you know, identity makes a lot of sense in a, in a way, like that's what we're all, identity is who we know ourselves to be. Right. And that changes that changes over time. Like even just talking about whether you think of yourself as an artist or not, or active artist, like that's an identity too, just as your culture Mm -hmm. is an identity. So we have like so many layers of identity that we're always connecting with, disconnecting with, working through, growing with. I remember you shared one time, it was related to language and about the color orange. Wasn't it like you in the Hmong language, there wasn't a word for orange. It was like yeah, like red like, or like yellow or something. How was that? It was something yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, Like, there's no, there's no word for orange. They would <laughs> just say like orange, like orange. It just we don't have those kinds of things. Because like,
0: do you think that can add to like this feeling of like not knowing where one belongs? Then too, because you're not in a weird way like what you described is like you're sort of like the color orange in the Hmong language. Like it doesn't sort of exist because you're like a little bit in both places. Like you were describing, you're not Asian
1: enough, but you're not white enough for, like- Right, right. Dang. You know, how Asian people are described as yellow. Dang, I'm yes. orange. Yes.
2: Dang, Rhonda.
1: Oh, you, a- I'm orange. Y'all got to make a piece about that. <laughs> just- oh, man. Orange. Uh, no, I'm orange. Dang. <laughs> that's what it is. Because I'm a little bit brown and I'm ye- a little bit yellow. So I guess I'm orange. Just, oh, whoa. Oh. That makes, dang, that's, that's like meta.
0: Part of why I've always enjoyed talking with you is that there is a seamless connection for you between your cultural background, your interests, your creativity, like you don't seem to put borders across or like siloing your, the way that you take information in and then process it out. Like it all filters in, it all becomes part of what you do. And that's like, to me, that's one of the wonderful gifts of like a creative life or an artist's life is that everything around you that you experience both past, present, future, all of that gets to feed into your creativity. and All of that gets to move through your filter. And like you were describing too, I'm just making this kind of thought here about like, but how it comes out is often how people understand us to be quote unquote, an artist or a creative. But in a way it's maybe more even about the way that we take the information in and that we allow it all to come in and to connect to each other. Maybe there's that
1: part of our creative process too. Yeah, I mean like I've always been a weirdo and so <laughs> I'm like not not fitting in is it it's a good thing because and then it makes you think differently than the normal whatever mm-hmm. man, there's been a lot of quotes in this.
0: Yes. We've done air quotes video. so many times.
1: Yes, of course. We're like, you know, normal is boring. That's why I like taking, that's why I don't regret taking um, art classes because it forced me to think outside of the box. Like I hate mm-hmm. that term, but it's like, it gave me different perspectives. And that's how I take life is like, that's why I say educating yourself. is like, you don't necessarily have to go to school, but read about a different culture, read mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world in different parts of like the world from where you are
2: mm-hmm. and
1: things like that. Like it just, being weird is good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good. Like if you're, you can make pots on pots on pots. Okay. Yeah. You make a beautiful form, but okay. What does it mean? Right. Like I don't have the, I don't have the technical skills, but I have the heart. And that's something you can't fake. That's something you can't learn. You can yeah. learn technical skills later, but you cannot fake or learn the you, genuine meaning behind it.
0: No, you can only open up your own heart. Like you don't, you're right. You can't learn it, but you can open it. And then that's part of it. Okay. So this is something I'm just realizing too. We haven't really talked about what your art is, what it looks like, what you do, how you make And I want to start it maybe with sharing a piece I remember you making when you were in your first semester of ceramics with me. And this relates back to this like pots on pots on pots, because it was for the cylinder project. And in that project, I think there were like seven different, six or seven different kinds of cylinders that you were asked to make. You, again, it's like that thing you brought your heart and you made a cylinder and it was probably like the altered cylinder assignment where you're expected to kind of change the shape a little bit or in some way. So Mm -hmm. it's not just a vertical form and you cut apart your cylinder. I think it maybe was two in the end and made a screen and like a um, Asian screen, do you remember this piece? yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah, And on the screen, you painted it like, or on the cylinder, you painted it like an undersea image with fish. And you drew these cute, like cute again in quotes, but they were cute little fish and some were pink, some were blue, kind of playing on traditional sex gendered colors that we have. Mm. And you painted them in different groupings. What was so fun and wonderful and intelligent about that piece is that you brought everybody in with this playful change of form. And the imagery was fun and light. And so everyone's like, Oh, fish in the water. And then you shared your concept and your concept was about the way that all different families are families. And so you had some fish that were the same gender and parents, and some were like mixed gendered and some were like solo parents with little fish and took elements that are very known to people. And so they were easy to look at and identify and yet gave us so much to think about and talk about okay. then too. So could you talk about some of the pieces that you've made in your your time as when you call yourself an artist, but like in your time that have held a lot of meaning for you even now in the work and what they look like and what your concepts work. Yeah, like I,
1: that is a huge part. See, yo, I don't even remember that, like, but that is a part of my identity is that I like to take serious situations and kind of like de-escalate it into a way that is approachable. And I feel that same way with talking about serious topics like abortion and whatever, gay marriage, all of them. I like to take it so it is approachable. And so that's why I gear I gear my imagery towards more of like childlike things because they appear innocent and you just like it gives you that like softer narrative versus like an in your face kind of thing um i do like your in your face kind of thing but like for super serious topics like that i like to use much softer imagery um mm-hmm. i did a piece about it was in drawing i guess i guess this is a trigger warning i would have to say trigger oh, sure. warning um, okay of like child predators I did a piece where I, like, you know how, like, in grade school, there's school pictures, and they're, like, all, like, next to each other in, like, yearbooks, like, I did, like, uh, an image of that, of, like, children of all different races, and whatever ages, and I drew images of them, it was on, like, this, like, weird red line, red, red string is just Mm -hmm. very iconic in many different cultures, but, like, I just did that, and, like, it was like such a it just if you like looked at it you'd be like oh okay there's just like a bunch of little drawings of like these cute little kids or whatever and cartoons but like the piece was about victims of like child abuse like sexual child abuse Mm -hmm. um because like it could happen to anybody and you would never know but if you look at it from first glance you'd be like oh it's just whatever but like it's I, I like to take that gentle approach where it's like, not necessarily going to make you feel, I want I don't know if the word offended is the correct term, but Mm -hmm. like, it's just a subtle approach. I don't.
0: Where like sometimes certain approaches can make a person close themselves off. So they can't even like question more or dive into the conversation because it's, it's so there and present in a way that. It makes a response in that person of like, oh, I don't like talk about that or I don't look at that. Like it yeah. stops the conversation before it can even begin. Some yeah. of those approaches, like,
1: yeah. I don't want that bias. Um, yeah. But I still, these things, they still need to be talked about. Man, it just made me think about that term that like saying though, it's like some things might need to be said, but not everything needs to be heard. Like, it con- it's Ooh. conflicting. But for me, I just try to take that gentle approach. And that's literally Mm -hmm. why I do the childlike imagery. I mean, I am very childish. I love, okay. when I say childish, I mean, like, I like to get, like, when I play with my dog, Mm -hmm. I'm crawling on my knees. Yeah. Like multiple, excuse me, multiple days a week. Like I crawl and I get to his level just to make sure that he is understanding, like, we're the same. Yeah. No one's better. Like I'm going to be on your level. And that's just
0: you're so playful in that way. Like, I think playful is a word that like, when you say childish, sometimes it feels like you're like cutting down who you are in a way like yeah, there's yeah, a certain yeah. like I, negative implication, but like playful, childlike, childlike. I mean, everyone, you made yeah. a piece. We had to crawl through the tunnel. Do you remember yeah, that yeah, too? Yeah. You helped us all do that through the work that you created. We all the whole class crawled through your tunnel to like, look at your specimens inside and your light and, that's a really powerful part of your art is that you bring your viewer to and through the work with you. It's not just a like one way, like I'm going to look and that's, I'm just going to look as a viewer, I'm expected to participate and not in like the whole big, like participatory all the time, but I'm expected to engage and participate with your content.
1: I feel like that's a really strong element of the work you create but I do have control issues. I ain't gonna (laughs) lie. So that's probably a part of it too. It's like you need to see like some part of it. Maybe, I don't know. Mm I don't know. Cause like I have that. And then I, I mean, I like the open interpretation though. Cause if you, if you didn't know any contact and you didn't read that, like little placard that has like the description on that, you'd say, okay, I'm going to crawl through this crawl space and see these little lit, like weird figures in these like glass stuff or like that concept was overcoming your fears mm-hmm. it was like you know people like this tiny space this dark space that you have to crawl through and then look at each scenario like mm-hmm. it was you overcoming your fears as you went through it but like for someone that didn't read or didn't know that they basically like, okay cool I'm just gonna crawl through and see these things and that's fine you know yeah. that's art that's everything is like and you can interpret however you want to mm-hmm. um
0: There's a painter, I think April Gornick in her artist statement, she likes to make art that's vulnerable to interpretation. And I think like that's all art has that too, that it's once it leaves your space as the maker, it becomes so many other things, like things that you'll agree with, things you won't agree with, things you have no idea were even inside that piece, quote unquote, because somebody else sees it and brings that to it. I think early in making or careers, you kind of want to hang on to and really control what it is that people get out of your work. Mm -hmm. And then as you progress, you just maybe learn like, no, like I, I didn't see that, but somebody else saw that and that's still there. And it's it's whether or not you choose to emphasize it when you make the next piece, maybe that's, maybe that's where your control as the maker comes into how much you emphasize that later can you share about another, I was thinking about other pieces you've done, but I want you to share about another piece you've made that
1: sort of stayed with you. Well, a lot of my time, my heavy making time was when I was in school Mm -hmm. and, oh, there was my, like, there are some pieces where it's kind of like a, I don't know if it'd be a showy one, like it was a bowls project, Mm -hmm. but we had to make like different bowls and I, I I made my bowl was like I sculpted hands as my bowl and then I like used unfired clay as like I made a heart and then like I submerged it in water because I knew that like feelings are temporary and like it was this whole interactive shit and like I put food coloring in there inside the um the unfired heart so then like once I submerged it as like any person that works with clay knows you put water with the bone dry clay, it's gonna like dissolve and disintegrate. Mm-hmm. So during critique, I had the hands that were fired and I had the heart that was unfired in the, the, I like, I bought like an aquarium and it was just like this, it was like disintegrating and it was rocking back and forth based off mm-hmm. the shape of the, the hands. And it was kind of like you're cradling your heart as it was breaking. And it was like releasing this stuff. And that one, that was one of my favorite pieces because it was temporary. I'd like to see you make that piece again. Do
0: you still have those hands? Me too.
1: No, I I don't think so. I'd have to re-sculpt them. And I really like hands. I like sculpting hands. Mm -hmm. Just because they just, they've seen things. Hands, they can tell where you've been like I remember my my junior year prom I went to go get my nails done for the first time and the lady looked at my hands she goes are you a farmer and I was like <laughs> um no I'm just a high school student because like my hands were just like dry and torn up because like I had to always like cook and clean and all this stuff and hand washing and stuff and like your hands just really they tell stories of like where you've been like mm-hmm. If you can tell someone's like never really done hands-on stuff by like the delicacy of like
0: they're so flawless, soft their hands yeah, are the soft so hands. soft
1: yeah but like you know if you're a maker or if you're like a hands person your hands are rough and messed up and like no matter how much you put on I don't know. my hands are really dry from washing dishes all the time because i love cooking so yeah <laughs> and well, your dogs. So okay
0: so you're cooking let's talk about that just for a little bit too like Your cooking in a way is your creative outlet. You mentioned that earlier too, but it really is your creative outlet. Just a couple of things in passing that you've shared with me over the years. Like I remember, I think it was in one of your last, it might've been during like a senior seminar class, like art seminar when you're graduating. And we were talking about like future dreams or things we might like to do. And I remember one of your projects was something like children's books, but for adults, like picture books for adults. Yeah. And then I know you and I had a little DM exchange one time, I think on Instagram about like your cooking, because you often talk about like poor people's cooking and like access to food. And so I'm wondering if you could share anything about maybe those two things, how your cooking relates to your creativity. And then also the impact of food scarcity in the way that you've talked about food in the past and still do think about it or different ways.
1: Yeah, so like I grew up super poor. My family was on food stamps, like, because my parents were immigrants so that they didn't have jobs. They were just like resident aliens. That's what they call them aliens.
2: And
1: it just, it, I don't know. It's food is just, a, I'm obsessed with food. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I, forget about food. I think about food. I cook food. I think about what I'm going to eat next. I'm just obsessed with food. And growing up, we used to have like free or reduced lunch fees because we didn't have, like, I always, I will always have a soft spot for people that are less fortunate than me because I was one of those people. And whether it was the government or whether it was through some kind of program, we got help. And I am a firm believer in like paying that forward. Yeah. Um, so that plus my cultural upbringing, which was like being a good wife as I, man, there's so many quotes, being a good <laughs> wife as I was taught to grow up, I was six of seven. So you always got to be like, you always got to cook and be hospitable and offer people water and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. all those combinations just like made me so food oriented because like that was like my love language like yeah. I like somebody told me like oh that's a love language it's like I'm a provider I like to feed people and make sure because I feel like food is just such a necessity it's such a basic necessity mm-hmm. and, and not a lot of people get that yeah but I don't know for me right now I just love to explore I don't like to use recipes because I I like to, it's not rebel, but I just don't like to follow rules. You're freestyling. Yeah. I'll look at like, I'll like look at multiple recipes and just come by my own.
0: I feel so seen when you say that, because that's what I do too. You look at all the other ones, you see what the commonalities are, and then you figure out what your version needs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like you make the best of all these different worlds. Like I, it started with, I used to hate cooking because Mm -hmm. my mom would force me to cook for her. I remember one time she woke me up at one in the morning to cook for her. She's like, I got to work early tomorrow. You got to cook for me to pack my lunch. Like that that was my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but no, it started with, I liked pizza and I liked sausage pizza. And I was like, what? makes what ingredient makes it taste like sausage and I could not figure it out so I was like testing all this stuff and you know in an Asian household we don't got these kinds of like ingredients that are Italian you know so I went to the grocery store I like flip every sausage thing like look at the ingredients and I was like okay I know this and this what's this and it was fennel seeds Oh yeah. One day I went and bought fennel seeds and I threw it in my meat and I was like yo this tastes like Italian sausage. Like that's what I did. This was before like internet was like whatever and like plus we were poor we didn't have internet or we didn't have like computer access so it was like trial and error you look at what it is and then you start throwing it in. but that's that's what started me into like trying to like replicate these different things it's like okay what is this thing that i don't know it's probably that secret ingredient
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like i just used sage for the first time last year i mean that's probably a common thing that like i'm using food right now as my creative outlet because i just don't have them like for me when i say like things are like when i'm making or whatever Mm -hmm. there needs to be an intent versus like producing so I guess in a way I'm not like trying to like shit on people that make pots because that's still that's that's their art or whatever you know yeah but for me that's like my I guess me cooking food is me making just pots yeah versus me making art that means something is different or like me like when I say art I mean like me in a traditional sense like painting or sculpting or throwing or whatever it is that for me it needs to have some kind of context and okay. that might not always be the case because I really got into making functional wear mm-hmm. towards my senior year which I was like oh like ugh, get the wheel I was all hand-built sculpture whatever and then I was like oh shit right. throwing is kind of cool you know yeah I don't know so that's just like me slowly opening myself up not I'm not necessarily there yet, but, you know, I do want to get a pottery wheel. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it, but, you know, that price.
0: And trying new things. Like, I don't know if you're finding, this is, I feel like in our conversation, I'm kind of hearing this too, but like how we change the way we think about ourselves is equally part of our own creative process for myself. Oh, I'm a pinch potter or I'm a like hand builder. And I, Oh, actually here's a real concrete example. When I was a post student, my one teacher had told me you're a decorator. And I was so mad. I was like, no, mm. I am not. I am not a decorator because in my head, a decorator looked really different. But as like in the last, maybe four years, I've realized like, Oh shit, I'm a decorator. I'm a
1: decorator. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I love
0: figuring out how some like pattern goes on a form. Yes, I am a decorator, but it was an identity I couldn't take for a really long time. Right, 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 right. 20 years, actually, since that comment was probably given to me and I wasn't, I didn't accept it (laughs) for 20 years. Yeah, I
1: mean, like, you think about those terms, though, it's like, oh, I'm a potter. Like, even the word potter, I'm like, you know, I don't throw pots, I don't make pots. You know, I'm not a potter. Like, when they say pottery wheel, they're just different. It's funny that like the, your identity, your artistic identity comes from those other people.
0: Sometimes it does. Like, so that's another question too, for ourselves is like, which identities have we given ourselves? Which ones have been given to us? And maybe which identities do we want to give ourselves in the future? Do we want to think of ourselves as?
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, like you use that term like artist, but then I learned from you the term maker. Yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily like like I cook and I like do what's that? I don't know, like I not decorate the food, but I place it in a certain yeah. way. Oh, you played it. Yeah, I played it and stuff like that too. Like I'm not necessarily an artist, but I'm still making in yeah. that aspect. Like it's I'm trying different things in my own ways and adding my touch to it.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: the same thing with like creating playworks. works. It's like, you know, I remember how you were saying like, you know, we got like over a thousand years to compete against. Every form has been made, every whatever has been made. Mm-hmm. We, we can't reinvent the wheel, but we're just gonna take our own touch on it. And that's the same thing with food.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like,
1: there's recipes and there's flavors that have always been like traditional, but each person is gonna put their own twist on it. And yeah. It just,
0: I think it's important that the history of something doesn't stop you from making. So, because sometimes, you know, like when we think about the history of the medium of clay, it's so, so long, so vast. And so many cultures have worked with the material out of need, out of creative energy, all of those things. But we do have to be careful to not let that stop us from the making Mm -hmm. either, because it is, it is like, we're living in our own time in our own body with our own experiences. And those things do come out in our work in whatever way. And they will be different simply because of those factors. Like in a way, you don't even have to try to be different. You just will because of who you are, you know, going back to that word maker versus artist, part of why I use that word was because people always ask, like when you're an artist, or you self-identify as an artist? People always ask like, well, were your parents creative? Were your parents artists? Or was anyone in your family an artist? And I remember trying to like dig back in my history and be like, was there anybody who did anything? Like I heard rumors about a grandfather who may be painted, but what I realized was more close to me was the fact that I had aunts and like grandmothers and great grandmothers who were makers with like handcrafts. And so, and then my dad, it's like, was always building tinkering, working on cars. Like, so there's a maker and he's a machinist or what a retired machinist. And so like the, the inclination to make, and my mom was a sewer, like that's been a part of my family, just the way that it's been a part of human history. And so if we mm-hmm. call ourselves makers, that makes it feel so much more approachable to hit to our creativity, right? Like, instead of saying like- yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, to be an artist, to be creative, like you just have to be a maker really. And that's making right. ideas, making
1: work like it can be anything I mean what are your thoughts on like the term craftsman like a craftsman versus an artist mm. some people might be like oh I just do like when I when to hear the term arts and crafts I'm like it's a very common non if, like because of our academic whatever yeah. setting really crafts and blah, blah, blah. We're like, yeah. oh, okay, I don't want to make, I make reefs and you think I make reefs and whatever, <laughs> like Boy Scouts. For me, I don't feel that that is, I don't know. I mean, what would you determine as art, you know, versus a craft versus a maker?
0: There's times where I just think I have no business in even trying to delineate between those things.
2: Mm.
0: Like, it's just not, Like, what good will that do me to try and delineate that? There's times where I still cringe when someone says arts and crafts for sure, or I think of it like I categorize it as like things my kids might do or like those kits that you buy. But when I really think about it and I'm really reflecting, like, oh, what's this thing? Like, I just don't know. Yeah, I think I just don't know if it's even worth my time or any of my business to try and decide that for anyone else other than myself. And like the word craftsperson, you asked about that. I just think that's a beautiful word. Like the idea of being a craftsperson to me means somebody who cares deeply about the thing that they've made. They care about how it's executed. They care about how it looks. And like, that's admirable to me to care about how you do something
1: yeah well like the term good craftsmanship yeah or like that yeah but then it's yeah. like I always for me I guess everybody's definition of what art is that's why I like that term maker because yeah. it just you can do anything within that because I'm like if I'm gonna make a bunch of cups how does that make me any worse or better than someone that's making a piece that has a lot of like context to it, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like they're still both very beautiful things. Yeah. But is there, I guess there's not really a difference between, I don't know. It just.
2: Yeah.
0: It maybe equalizes it. And when you think about your history with being poor and feeling like less than at times because of that, or culture makes us feel less than if you're considered poor, you know, like in a way having a word that equalizes the experience of creativity, like maker, like maybe that's part of the appeal of it is that it's accessible to anyone. Like anyone can be a maker, but culture society tells us that like not anyone can be an artist. I wonder if you can describe a time when you felt highly creative or deeply in touch with your creativity? And like, what were you doing? What, you know, maybe even how old were you or how recent was it? Like, can you think of a time where like that feels true? Like where your creativity was really close to you?
1: Mm -hmm. It's definitely got to do with cooking within like the last two years, just like trying to replicate these flavors that I either imagined or I thought I had, there's like a lot of like, for me, when I cook, food is my, right now food is my only secure bridge to tied to my culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, like I said, I've always been too white or too Asian, but with food, I make pretty good Asian food and because my mom my mom taught me to be the good wife so I had to learn how to cook and stuff so what but like not like I remember I would always be like mom can you get a recipe can you tell me how much she's like you just look with your eyes and then you just throw it in and you taste it and like I was like making this like beef soup and I I don't know I didn't know what it was supposed to taste like I had it like one time at like a funeral like years and years ago and I just like, threw things together, and, like, for me, even if that's not what it actually is supposed to taste like, it just, it felt right, because I felt like I was, like, honoring my, like, culture, plus I was, like, also, like, experimenting. I don't know, I felt like it was, a success, because, like, my family liked it, and my family, they're, like, pretty, we're all into food. I hate the term foodie. I say foodie Like I used that term before I even knew that that was like a term term. Like, you want to eat some foodie? Like Mm -hmm. like that when I get the okay from my mom, I feel good. Cause like, that's something that I never got growing up. But like, especially when it comes to food and so like that, like made me feel like I did something right. Mm -hmm. And that your experiment and like
0: that your experimentation brought you to create something of pleasure maybe for others too or of enjoyment
1: even though it wasn't like the same like recipe or tradition that they had ate when they were growing up or whatever like as long as I got to like create something that was satisfying enough for them to finish their plate I felt like I was happy Mm -hmm. I've always been a people pleaser because I was taught to be a people pleaser but like
0: I don't know if you're seeing it yet or not, but like the ways that you're still connecting to your creativity is and care. Like, and I think a lot of your creativity or your expression of art is directly linked to your care of others and your care for people you don't know, your care for those dead birds, your care for your culture and your history. And so to me, when you're expre- expressing each of these things, like that's the connection that's there through everything that you do. And that's that to me is your creativity too. Like that's it. Like I see it and I, you know, hear it, what you're saying. What is some like creative advice or thought that you would want to share with other people who are feeling that same struggle that you feel
1: with your making? everybody is going to be better than you and everybody is going to be worse than you so just do your own thing like it just do yeah. because there's always going to be someone that's better and whether you're like oh my stuff's not good enough to post on social media or my stuff's not good enough to sell or my stuff's not good enough to even like fire like just try it anyway because you know someone else is going to appreciate it and really like it like we're everybody has their own kind of like taste and stuff. And Mm -hmm. just, just do it. What is it? Nike? Don't Just do it. Don't do it.
2: it. Well,
0: and I think, you know, what you're also saying too, is like, there's an audience for everything we do. There's an audience Mm -hmm. of appreciation for everything evidenced by how many obscure groups there are on internet or on the internet or on YouTube. Like there is, there's plenty of space for everyone to share and to have people appreciate what they
1: do. Absolutely. I mean, look at Dada, look at Dadaism. Yeah. It is so, it is so stupid, (laughs) but you know what? It became popular and we learned about it in our history. Right. Like that could be you, that could be you. That
0: one could, there's the collage by, um,
1: the squares
0: yeah the dropped by chance the rectangles yeah, yeah. Like, by you chance. cut
1: those squares you put it on this thing but okay okay guess what we can still learn about you in the future so just do it
0: exactly just do it you never know what's going to be remembered
1: uh oh. people that people that put the effort and time man i applaud you because i don't know where you can find the time or the Like it just.
0: Motion versus action is a new phrase I learned from, it was an interview with, I think it was James Clear, but like knowing whether you are in motion, just like I putter a lot in my studio, but then the idea of what action is then is actually doing it. So like actually recording this interview with you is finally like taking a step into the action of making the podcast. Like I've had this idea for many years but then I, mm-hmm. I did motion, but I didn't do the action. So I think yeah. that's, that's something that's helping me lately is folk. Like what action am I actually taking? Like you took your photographs and you made a painting. That's your action.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's like me right now. Like I'm preparing, like mm-hmm. I brought all the art materials. I bought the foam. I bought the banding wheel. And now I just have to like do it. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. It's like, When you're, it's like, we go back, it goes back to depression. It's like, you know, you get, getting out of bed is the hardest part. And then once you're out of bed, you're like, okay, you know what? I can do it. I'm already up, whatever. And I'm at that point right now. I'm trying to get out of the art bed. Yep. Get out Um, of that art bed so you can get into your
0: moving and making. Yeah, it is the hardest part. I mean, my studio is in my basement and some days the hardest part literally is walking down the stairs. And be like, just walk down the stairs and go into that space and do something.
2: Yeah.
0: But it also is about like how much time you think it needs to. I don't mm-hmm. know if you do this or not, but like I will tell myself that something takes a lot more time than it actually does. <laughs> so, like, my example is doing the dishes. I used to tell mm-hmm. myself that unloading the dishwasher took like a half hour. And I just was kind of getting sick of the story. I was telling myself about the dishwasher. So I timed myself one day and to unload and put away the dishes seven minutes. And that wasn't even moving fast. And then I was like, oh my goodness, you've been telling yourself such a lie of a story that it's going to take you 30 minutes. And so I wouldn't do it because I was like, it's going to take me 30 minutes. I just, I can't do that. But seven Mm -hmm. minutes and even that with our art, like I used to tell myself you need four hours in order to go and make something because that's when you really get in the groove. And then I realized like, well, no, you can do it in like 10 minutes. You could sit down and just sketch and there's a 10 minute expression of creativity. And it it, like, I had to change myself, change my thinking and tell myself what is the minimum, like change the minimum sort of to make it more approachable.
1: Yeah. I really want to like, Still continue to do some like identity searching and like bring in clay into the Hmong arts because, mm-hmm. like I said, there's they're usually like tapestries and like there's like some like metalworking and stuff like that, but with clay, it's just not a very prominent thing in our culture, and I want to bring that because this is where I'm taking my i'm not too asian i'm not too white or whatever thing like i want to make my own i want to make my own history american american history or whatever and like bring Mm. that medium into our culture so it becomes a new thing yeah where it becomes like a part of that it's like i'm i don't i'm not the traditional sense but you know we're in a different land and Mm. why not try to start a different tradition They'll oh pay God. homage to the, the tapestry patterns, the the metalwork or whatever of the old, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. You're making your orange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're bringing it together.
1: I am Lisa and I am orange.
0: What is a dream project for you? And I feel like you just described it. It's bringing a new material to your culture and your history and yep. by doing so, you're going to show others like this is possible for you too. And that is so that is- important. Like the first time you see someone that you identify as like looks like me or acts like me or comes from something like me, and they're doing something that you aspire to do, it makes it feel even more available to you than to like, yeah, that's yeah. a possibility they're doing it. I could do you doing that really is going to make space for someone else to do that too
1: I mean that's the dream chaser in me though you know I've always been a dream that's the I drove to Chicago to go audition for the voice chaser in me
0: For the studio wrap-up, I'm asking each guest kind of the same prompts and questions, and you can answer them however you want, whether it's short or long, that part's up to you. So the first one is, I'd like you to finish this sentence, Lisa. When I don't know what to create or make,
1: I... Cry. <laughs> um, when I don't know what to make or create... honestly i i cry or i look for inspiration on instagram Mm -hmm. um social media is such a huge platform these days and like what i like about instagram versus like the old school facebook or myspace like Mm -hmm. those are both very toxic places but like you don't have to it's less personal it's just about more of like the craft where you can just pick and choose and so I look at inspiration from there. Like I'll look up like, when I say create, I think about food Yeah. right now. Food is my creative outlet. And I will just look up different cuisines and I'll go from there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I find my inspiration. Or Hmm. I'll look up, I have an iPhone. So I'll look up Apple News and I'll click on either the cooking Mm -hmm. um, tab or the food tab. And I'll just get inspiration from there. Nice. And that's just it's kind of like you go into that like
0: in a formal way, what we would say is like research. Like you kind of you move into a space of like looking and inquiry and yeah, it's
1: a very, a very ghetto lazy version of trying to <laughs> find inspiration. It's like, what do I want to eat today? What do I want to explore cooking? Yeah. But I, I love
0: do. I love that you look at that as an act of creation though. And that that is part of your creativity. Cause I think it's really easy for people to discredit that and say like, or discount it. That's the word. Discount it. Like, no, that's not a creative act to think about what I want to eat or what I want to make. And just that you, you give space to that in your thinking and your approach. I think that's really wise.
1: Well, I think it's a very modern approach because like there's, I mean, before in an academic setting, you'd have to use these, like, programs where they had to be scholarly, where they had to be whatever. But, like, now in the and age, you can literally look up, like, a news article, a blog, mm-hmm. and, like, find inspiration from there. And I, but I think that's great because, you know, it takes away from, like, the professionalism versus, like, being that creative artist for whatever your medium is whether it's clear or food or whatever like mm-hmm. it just it validates that it's like okay I get this inspiration from something else so yeah
0: and it increases accessibility too like it's not yeah like those I mean I think about that with scholarly research and that um from I miss that like I miss having access to that from Uh when I taught at the university and thinking about, and then that made me think about like, what do, how do people get access to things that they want? And then what it means when you don't have access. I mean, that's just a very small, like little example.
1: Yeah. I mean, like those things, what makes it not valid just because it doesn't have a like distinguished title to it. It's not from like Cornell or it's not from Stanford or whatever, you know, that Mm-hmm. what about someone's blog that like, they put research and time into that's so valid mm-hmm. you know in my opinion like yes. it's- yeah mm, thank you for that
0: um this next part is i asked you to share five songs or podcasts or things that you could listen to on repeat in your studio or any time and so the ones that you shared with me i'm going to list them you shared a couple podcasts dateline and crime junkie and then somebody feed Phil which is a TV show on Netflix Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings for movies and then Criminal Minds which is another TV series So could you share how these shows and podcasts and the movie all contribute to your creative flow?
1: Well, I think it's funny <laughs> because I'm like I'm just throwing these things out there but now I'm actually reflecting I'm like, mm. I like to think about how other people think that's like psychology or you want to call it psychology or anthropology or sociology, whatever it is. I like to understand that. So even though like some of those things are fictional, um, they tell a story and man, I'm, this is like the ADHD tangent going off, but it's just like, I like knowing why people do the things that they do. Mm -hmm. and that's why i was like comics growing up i love the villain stories because you got to find out the background of like why did these people become villains why did these people become criminals why did these people become artists they are trying to do these things of expression they are trying to just i don't know but with the other things i like that i am someone that likes to I have a lot of anxiety so I like to have comfort and I've watched these things so many times that I just have them in the background like as background white noise Mm -hmm. and I'm able to focus on what I'm actually doing whether it's working whether it's creating whether it's cooking I just have those things to comfort me I guess in a way and just I don't know yeah
0: and comfort, you know, like we can't underestimate that when we think about our own creativity. I, you know, there's examples, of course, of people who are highly creative under times of stress or duress even, but sometimes it feels like building a space that's comfortable or doing things that bring you comfort also then give you the safety maybe that you need in order to create or to try new things. And I wonder if there's something with that in it too.
1: I think it's interesting though, is because all of those topics are very stressful things. They're very like traumatic things. They're epics. They're very like trivial times. And as someone that deals with like mental disorders and anxiety, I guess that's comforting. You get Mm -hmm. used to that like stressor and then you just like repeat it over and over and over mm-hmm. and then you're just like okay that's in the background and I'm just gonna do this other thing it's yeah. like some people they listen to like some like yoga meditative like instrument I used to listen to instrumental music when I was studying for finals mm-hmm. um which was always Lord of the Rings I, always to that. <laughs> I, think I remember familiar. that yeah yes yeah, so it's always the Lord of the Rings soundtracks when I was studying for finals mm-hmm. But like it was instrumental because I didn't have to deal with like the words it was just sounds and emotions but like with the watching like it's not really watching but listening to like podcasts or movies and stuff like that they're like there's stressful situations it's still very comforting there's some kind mm-hmm. of comfort in that like stress mm-hmm. that I like it's
0: do you think it's mm-hmm. a knowing like because you've talked about your mental health and um anxiety do you think that listening to these things that are about stressful things then helps, like it's a place that you understand and know because of your own lived experience or is it more like, is there like any bit of validating to it or like validating to your own self and experience through listening to them? Do you think there's anything in that or not really?
1: I mean, I think there is, but also it's also like my... It's like my soap operas, you know, like, 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 oh my God, like there's all these different kinds of like plot twists and things like that. I mean, it's just, I don't know, for some reason I'm drawn to these types of things Mm -hmm. and they are comforting to me. I mean, you only know if you know. Like, I hate yeah. that term. They go, if you know if you know. Like, yeah. But,
2: but that's you know just what if it you is. Know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure that a lot of people are like that are like crime obsessed will know what I'm talking about. Or mm-hmm. it's like,
0: I think that's an interesting. I wonder if anybody studies that, like the connection between people who are drawn to the crime. Based podcasts and like more high drama, if there's like any connection to what their life is in terms of experiences with like anxiety, even or something like that. I wonder if there's a Mm. connection across those. That'd be interesting.
1: (laughs) Oh, but I love to have this. The thing is, I love to have solved murders or Mm. solved crimes. I mean, obviously, this is real life. I listen to stuff that's not solved, that's Mm -hmm. cold cased or Mm -hmm. whatever. And like, that's just life, though. You know, yeah. there's no, there's not always a perfect answer. And for me, that's comforting in a way. Like, I think because of my age and like just gathering all these different things, it's helping me be okay. Yeah. In a way. Yeah.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So I have two more questions. The next one is what brings you joy in your
1: creative life? right now my creative life is through cooking I -hmm. like exploring different types of foods and stuff like tonight I'm gonna make red beans and rice for the first time I've only had it one time um but like I just like having new experiences Mm -hmm. and before COVID before I was partnered when I was single and I graduated from school and all this stuff I was like I'm going to try a bunch of new things like every month like a Mm. bunch of like every week and it's just that little thrill of having these new experiences and that's what I'm I don't that's just what I'm I like I guess no
0: that's great I think that makes a lot of sense like right that part of creative life is about newness and experience and exploring like it, whether you are cooking or whether you're making a collage like those it's, it is about that endeavor into something new that is exciting and fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it
1: is very funny that after we had, um, initially did like the, the interview I started making, mm. I was hand building and I was like, doing stuff and i actually like taught my sister who was actually she's very creative she's like my oldest sister so we're like 12 12 14 years apart mm-hmm. she started college she went back to college when i entered my first year in college uh-huh. and i was teaching her how to like build her first cups with like hand building so she's built her first cups and it's it's just like uh I don't know it's just this new experience yeah I'm just like it's all about the experience yeah.
2: that's how I
0: feel and you're getting to share it with her which is yeah, really yeah, cool yeah. Too. I mean anytime you get to share something with people you care about and like it's something that you also care about it like builds a really cool bond with that person too it like it lets them into this part of you that they maybe didn't really know or understand before. Yeah. And I think that that's really special too.
1: Well, like a great part of it is like when I went, when I started art or like working with Clay, I was like, you know, all I know is like these commercial things, these perfectly cylindrical whatever is. And when she did it, she's like, I want to make like original stuff. She like was like, working towards like Korean pottery and like she's like I want to make these like cups that are like not perfect and I was like great because we're we're hand building and that's what you're gonna get. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's great. She still has to work on like we have to find like a good glaze for her but you know it's also like for me coming from an academic setting where we were privileged enough to mix our own glazes and fire our own work putting my pride aside and using commercial glazes and I still have to go and like take her to go look at these things because she has like a vision that she wants and I want her to be able to just complete that vision like this is literally her first she made she threw some pots, like, a couple years ago in Korea, but mm-hmm. she never got to, like, complete those. Mm-hmm. So this would be her first complete project, and I'm, like, really excited to, like, have her. I, I don't know. I'm always a helper, and I want people to, like, thrive. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see her execute this envision that she has.
0: Okay, last question or prompt. Finish this sentence, please. My creativity is
1: food. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm right now I'm obsessed with food because it's accessible. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love exploring it. And I mean, I never have been this obsessed with food before. Like when I was in school, yes I'm gonna always go back to school because that was like my top like when I felt the most creative I had access to all Mm -hmm. these materials and whatever but like with food it helps me discover who I am and I never understood like the whole like I always said like I wasn't a potter Mm -hmm. and I didn't know like the styles of pots. I didn't know the glazes. I didn't know the techniques. And I also was like, why are y'all so obsessed with these things? But now I understand it in a different way through food. Mm. There's like sauteing, there's like julianing. there's all these different things that I'm obsessed with. Mm-hmm. I read about it in news articles I watch about it I research it I do it mm-hmm. and applying that like now I'm like okay those people weren't freaks they were not like studio slaves you know they yeah. they just really enjoyed their craft and that's it took me so many years to be out of the studio to understand that in a different medium and that's mm-hmm. I don't know. It's
0: just. Do you have a couple or few places that you would really like to travel to
1: experience their food? Yes, uh, because of I had never been interested in Asian countries because I was like they're not going to like me. I now want to try to go to Thailand and Vietnam and Laos Mm -hmm. like I uh, Southeast Asian food is my favorite because that's what I grew up with Mm -hmm. and I want to go back to see like where my parents met I want to go back to see like where they learned their food from and it's just
2: Mm.
1: so those three countries are like where I really want to go versus like when I was younger I'm like oh I was I grew up in a like you know, I was, uh, I grew up in a suburban area. So, you know, everyone always wants to travel to Europe. Everyone wants to travel to like Paris or mm-hmm. London or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, yo, I want to travel back to these third country, not third countries. That's what my mom called the third countries, but <laughs> third world countries, um, places and just experience like what they actually eat.
2: Mm -hmm. like
1: versus like what's up the restaurant because like a lot of the shit at the restaurants excuse me it's not what you what they actually eat and that's what like if i ever opened a restaurant which i wish i i don't want a restaurant i want a food stall or a food truck because restaurants too much pressure i don't care about like the settings i want to just give you the food that your grandmas and your moms made yeah um for me that's like the best parts is mm-hmm. like the stuff that you can't get at the grocery store, you can't get at a restaurant, the home-cooked yeah. stuff. That's just what I want to learn and, like, experience from. Mm. And I don't know. I guess that's what, the same for me. That's the same mentality as, like, people trying to do, like, yoga and stuff, going on these little yoga trips. Like, they want to go to a different country and experience that stuff. I do do that with food. I want to go yeah. back to, like, like, Hmong people, they don't have a homeland but they like my, like my parent, my dad is from Laos. My mom was from Thailand. They met in Thailand. Like I want to go back to those countries and eat the food that they ate
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then do my spin, my American spin on it Yeah, and make them proud. You're not just talking about the food, but you're
0: talking about like the heart of the experience and the heart of your past and your family's past in history in doing this. And that, that, this will be a connection point to that through food, through this medium that you're loving right now too. And like, and that has been really important in your family too. Cause in our earlier conversation, you talked about like when you finally made some food that your family said was good and like how that was really meaningful to you to have that experience because of sort of the critique of food with them.
1: Oh, yeah, dude, last night. So my mom's got COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's usually like the cooker, the provider. We always were raised to be a good wife. Well, like <laughs> yesterday, I made her some food, like some soup. Like it's a soup that you would usually eat when it's like the postpartum soup. Like there's a certain chicken diet that you have to go through for 30 days after you give birth. don't eat the same meal every single day it's like a chicken boiled chicken and these herbs minimal salt whatever and I went to like the flea market and I went to go buy those herbs and I bought some chicken but it wasn't a certain type of chicken so there's a variety of chicken type it wasn't like this super organic super lean this like different type of chicken I just bought chicken from like sam's club or whatever Mm -hmm. and my mom was like ha 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 it's not the right chicken but i'll eat it because it came from the heart like oh Gary, that's what she said like that's but i was like you know i went and i bought these stuff to make soup for you but it wasn't the right type of meat but Mm -hmm. it's just like that kind of i don't know it's what
0: speaks to a level of like in a parallel way craftsmanship like your mom has a craftsmanship about the food that she makes and provides for you all and there's specificity to that just like there would be specificity to the craftsmanship of a of a mug
1: and yeah yeah no That's- she has ruined me because <laughs> i okay my partner likes to eat cereal i call it cereal breakfast cuz I raised my nieces and nephews and like, I want cereal breakfast, but he likes to eat cereal milk all the time. And sometimes I'll cook like a meal for like two, three hours and he's like, I want cereal. And I'm like, but my issue is like, my parents always made me do like a stir fry or whatever. And then a soup, they were never oh. satisfied with just one thing. And so like, when I brought food for my mom, I made her a stir fry and I made her that soup. Cause like, that's just like you my- knew. Yes. That's my level of, I don't know. They just ruined me, but in a good way. Yeah. In a good way because now I'm, I'm so, I want better yeah. and I know better now. It's
0: just, yeah, I don't know. And you're capable of, of it too. Like you're, you're in a place in your life where you can give attention and time to this in a way. And maybe it's even like just in a, in a space of, um, reflection where like the appreciation is building for the things that they have shared and the things they expect and the things that are meaningful to you and to them.
1: Yeah. Like, honestly, like my mom's sick, I could easily just went and bought her some food from like some soup from wherever restaurant or whatever grocery store. But I was like, I'm gonna go and buy this stuff and make it for you because it's that's what a maker does. That's what a creative person does. It's like you can buy canned soup. Yes, it's still good, but like there's something about putting that effort into it that makes it more special. And that's why my mom was like, ha ha ha. She literally said, ha ha. She's (laughs) like, she was like, you know, it's not the right chicken, but I'll eat it because it's from the heart. And that's what it is. Like, you know, I could have gave her a can of Progresso and she would have been like, "Eh," but I made that that soup and I drove 30 minutes to drop it out for her. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, That's what what being an artist is. You can go buy a cup for $2, a commercial perfectly cylinder cup at the store, or you could like spend a bajillion hours trying to like. Imbue it with some love yeah and it costs so much more to make but you're gonna do it anyway because you love it yeah that's that's the craft right that's true
0: that's true well thank you so much lisa for taking time to talk with me and for being
1: here and sharing i'm really grateful thank you for having me i'm so glad that my um i don't call it pessimism i call it realist i'm a realist the artist is definitely dead in me but you know every so often i'll use a little defibrillator and just spark <laughs> it up again in different ways in different yes. ways yeah so it doesn't have to be well, you know the typical paint clay whatever no. it can be through anything
0: If you find yourself needing a little creative prompt for your week, or just an activity to do, let's take some inspiration from Lisa, let's try to find something that we can notice from our day to day. Maybe something on our way to work like she shared about, or something we see while looking out the window of our home or when we're on a walk, and let's take a photo of it. Maybe at the same time each day for a few days, and just start to observe our surroundings. And then maybe we'll be inspired to do something else with it, like Lisa did with the painting. Or maybe her talk of cooking sparks something in you. Maybe this week, look for a new dish to explore, putting your spin on it. Thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to the weeks to come. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it and rate and review where you listen to your podcast. Until next week, bye.